All right. Welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. Had some technical issues, but we got it rolling here on a Friday. At least that's when Jake and I are sitting down to record it. And I have to, to bust Jake. He texts me. We were kind of supposed to record around midday, somewhere around 11 or noon. He goes, hey, man, like I'm out scouting. I might not make it back. Uh, what does like your late afternoon look like? So, so, so Jake, you know, we made it happen, but I, I, I will say we had to reschedule. That does not bode well early in your co-hosting career. Yeah, I know, man. My bad. I got a little caught up out there, but at least you were doing whitetail stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found a couple antlers and it had me all fired up. And so I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. That is true. Uh, you are on the board. When, when did you first get on the board for, for shed season? Was it last week? Yeah, it would have been around the 15th, I believe, about a week ago. Um, and then today you had two in one day. Um, so that's a that's a that's a day right there, or at least for for my shed counts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. They're uh, they're all oldies so far. No freshies yet, but they still get you pretty fired up. Yeah. Now, and before we uh, pushed record, we had talked about um, obviously this is going to be the shed hunting scouting. We're going to get to some of the Q and A in a bit, but uh, we're just BSing here to get things rolling. But uh, you had mentioned you felt right now the bucks, at least in Ohio maybe 10, 15% have shed? I would say, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had, out of all the cameras that I pulled, I had one buck that was missing a side, really nice deer. But for the most part, I mean, today I saw a couple bucks over a hundred inches and driving to work, I'm seeing quite a few bucks. We had a cold spell a couple weeks ago, right? That was down in like the teens for a couple of days, but yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it was enough to really get them dropping too much yet. So it should fire up here in the next, you know, two to three weeks, I would say. And, and Dave just pulled a camera the other day. He was out hunting and literally had a buck on this trail cam 24 hours prior to his hunt. It actually, it, it moved. Do you remember Sunday evening, obviously a bunch of NFL football going on, but the front was like coming in. It was like rain, snow mix all, all the day. And then it stopped for a little bit there in the early late afternoon, we'll call it. And then it kicked back up again and, and Dave had a decent bucket on his feet and, and, and come through this area. And then the, the other couple bucks that he had, had on trail cam um, were all holding both sides as well. So that's kind of the most recent intel from both you and I, as far as deer still holding. Um, but yeah, that's uh, you, you are on the board though. And a couple good ones, you know, like solid framed bucks. Um, yeah, that one that one would have been my best one if it didn't have the uh, G, I believe it was the three, had like a couple inches chewed off, but it was uh, a really good buck. He was like probably a mid-140, I would say. Okay, so nice. That's right, right about there, yeah, not bad. And then let alone what that deer would turn into in a year, you know. Um, this year, yeah, yeah, because this year he was probably a pretty good buck out there. Oof, oof. that's what I'm talking about. Now, um any pattern to to where you're finding these sheds i know obviously you're a bad guy that's kind of the name of the game um anything connecting these couple dots that, that you found as far as these sheds the the first three of the year yeah so a couple different things so the first three that i found at this point i'm really not even 100 percent shed hunting i'm mainly just scouting for hunting season and stumbling on them in bedding areas um, we'll get into like the actual shed hunting tactics, but yeah, right now, early season to find some late ones from last year, it's not a bad idea. If you have time, just go out and scout around, you know, find a bedding area, find a briar patch. Um, I have really good luck with like knee high grass out in the woods, any sort of pine trees, 
just try to locate those beds. And right now they, everything sticks out, you know, those sheds from last year, are just bright white tines basically sticking up. It's pretty obvious, but yeah, there's, there's really no pattern. The first two that I found were directly in a bed. And then that third one was within 10 to 15 feet of a bedding area. So that's pretty much my correlation at this point. Yeah. And I will say, I feel like, uh, the, the deer are herded up right now. I was out scouting last week and I sent you a video or two and, uh, all these deer, there was like six, eight does posted up in this green briar thicket, uh, mid shelf on a ridge, a little better horizontal cover. Um, and they were just browsing, you know, green briar midday, all standing up. Uh, it was funny. I had one of my, I had one dog with me and she's running around like an idiot. And I'm like, how do these deer not see me? And it turns out there was like six or eight of them bound away. And I went to kind of check out what they were doing. And I, I won't swear, but there was a solo big deer that was a hundred ish yards higher on the hill that didn't run with all the does. And I, I was looking so hard for buying or, or, you know, at this buck or potential buck. And Jake, I have a confession. I left the binos in the truck that day. Oh, I told you too, <laughs> dude. And th there was another deer that I could see uh, out on this point and I lost at like 150, 200 yards. And I was like, dude, I, they're laying in the, the, the case in the back seat, and I forgot them. Oh man. Yeah. Those, uh, the bucks I saw today, same thing. I had my binos on and I'm on top of one of those little hills that we were talking about. And I heard leaves shattering and I looked up at like a hundred yards and I saw a body go through and I pulled up the binos and sure enough, it was, you know, a hundred inch buck staring at me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. The binos, I, 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 the harness is much nicer. I, I actually don't like hunting with a bino harness. I like just like the strap guys that go over the shoulder. Um, but I think for, for scouting purposes, uh, when you're putting miles, I like that, that chest harness and I don't have a good one, at least not yet, but, but yeah, I think that'll, Oh, I may get out this weekend and start uh, poking around a little bit more. Um, but another thing on the horizon, we have seen some leaked pictures of the uh, the wolf pack. Um, I think Justin Hollinsworth has has one, and and Andre put a post out the other day, kind of showing it off. Uh, any first impressions from what you can see? It looks well built, man. Honestly, I mean, it looks like it's going to be an awesome pack. Um, some spec things that I'm curious about. You know, I'm I'm pretty curious about the weight at this point. But yeah, it looks just about perfect. I noticed, actually, you mentioned it to me that it's got like a pocket for your camera arm and, and everything like that. So it kind of looks like it's tailored towards like the mobile slash self-filmer kind of guy. Yeah, I think kind of going along with their line of products, like it's a system. It, it, it's, a, it's a smaller backpack. Um, I know there's some material there that, that, that it looks like the pocket's set up so you can like flip it open and, and access stuff inside. It, it, it looks like it's built to be accessed like, you know, vertical in a tree. And then obviously the, the pocket arm, it, they built in a, a place to put your pocket arm. And to me as a cell phone or cell phone is pain in the ass. That's huge. Like I, I like the fact that they're looking to accommodate it. So you don't have to, I've always like gear tied it or use an external strap and put it on my layers. Um, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah, me too, for sure. It definitely looks like it's going to be, like I said, tailored towards guys like us. So, yeah. So hopefully looking forward to using that next year. I don't know if they have a, a full release date yet, just yet. But, uh, um, I also saw Cody tease some stuff coming down the pipe, uh, 2021 for, for XOP that I'm interested to, to, to see come to light. So, so a couple things on the horizon for the, the mobile crowd, the, 
uh, uh, that kind of guy. So, so definitely be on the lookout for that. But Jake, let's, uh, let's, let, let's shift gears here. Let's, let's, let's look at scouting sheds and that kind of thing. Um, what do you think would be best? Would you like to either lay out maybe uh, some calendar thoughts as far as or, or some general big picture thoughts and then dive into Q&A or do Q&A first? Yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, let's just do some like calendar thoughts and stuff like that first. Okay. So, so Jake, you, you moved here and didn't get a winter scout in your first year, but in the last year you had the whole offseason and, and now you've obviously started. What's your offseason look like right now, um, kind of penciling out the calendar year? So basically I'm, I'm just game on scouting at this point, you know, I'm locating as many betting areas as possible, trying to find something that me and you have talked about a lot back and forth, like actual community scrapes, not just any scrape out in the woods, but like the hub scrapes with a really good licking branch, preferably that have a rub there as well. Something that just lets you know that it's used year after year. And uh, I mean, basically I'm going to be doing that until really when my shed season starts, which is like the end of February early March. And then I'll shift gears into shed season for like a solid month and a half. I mean, every day I have off, I'll be out looking around for them and everything. It's just really enjoyable, but then it's, it's game on at that point. I mean, then it's going to be some camera layout and, and ready to go for the year. So what about, um, you know, obviously you're marking these beds, but do you ever look at, at stuff, you know, you're kind of a traditional early season guy, um, do isolated oaks come to mind or are you mapping those those things out uh, right now? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So isolated oaks are big to me, especially the ones that are close to bedding. Um, from what I mean, I've found a lot of oak flats that are a couple hundred yards away from bedding, but I'm trying to find like that single oak tree, preferably white oak, but red oaks as well or whatever the food source may be that's close. Um, I'm actually spending a lot more time looking into rut stuff as well. So like I found in the strip mine land that I've been scouting quite a bit, it's, it's out East. Um, it's a lot of like these really big Hills from like the tailings of the, of the big shovel and everything. And there's random spots where they must've just quit the tailings and it'll be basically like a saddle. It almost sets up like a saddle does. And then, you have like these big ponds that have islands on them, which same thing, bedding, saddles. So I'm marking all that stuff a little bit more for the rut as well. Cause I really don't want to get caught with my guard down like last year and get into a rut situation. Sure. And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm scrambling trying to figure out what I want to do and where I want to be. Well, and that very well could happen. Um, like uh, we talked about it. I don't remember if it was this podcast. Yeah. I think it was last podcast when we talked about like, the evolving state of, of trying to kill that one really big buck or your, your biggest hit list or a couple of bucks, you know, if you're going to push yourself to, to kill that high, high caliber, you may not, not necessarily, you may have to pass a few of those good shooter bucks in early October and then be chasing, you know, the giant and, and kind of shifting maybe what you're, you're willing to shoot come November. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, there's, there's so many things that go into it right now too. You know, I'm looking at different wind directions, like wind based bed for every direction that I can figure out. I'm doing a lot more wind mapping this year. So I'm trying to, you know, I get really excited in some of these spots when I'm finding beds and everything, but I'm trying to really pay attention to the wind direction of the day, um, throwing milkweed, trying to actually get like a good sense of what's going on. The yeah. strip mine land is a little bit weird wind wise. The wind the way it works down through some of those cuts and tailing piles and everything is different than you would think. So it's, it's going to take a little bit getting used to it. It's basically like 
it's like hill country with these tailing pools all over the place. And you have, you know, you'll have a thermal pool down because of these little ponds everywhere, but you'll also have like just sheer ledges. It's, it's going to be a little bit different. Honestly, I'm really excited to kind of dive into it and try to figure it out for sure. Yeah, I know uh, when we went out scouting the other day, like we had, uh, I was like, well, let's throw some milkweed and my, my bottle had snapped off my bag or something. But, uh, you know, that's, a, <clears throat> that's something he Cisco talks about that that is, you know, a lot of guys will scout, a lot of guys will mark stand locations, but maybe a note or two in there about what the wind was doing. Hey, we had a west wind of seven miles an hour and it kind of blew, let's call it southish could be a difference come next fall with, with, with how you could approach and, and be successful in an area. So yeah, that's, that's an area I'm looking at. I also, um, I, st- I, I was, I slowed my pace down a little bit the other day when I was finding beds because one, I was marking, uh, even the six out of 10 beds, but two, I was trying to think like you, my, my big hole right now is probably early season as far as buck encounters. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, you and I talk enough and, and you're an early season guy. Okay. I need to look at what can this deer see from his bed? Where is he the most likely food source or maybe the nearest hub scrape and trying to get inside the 150, 200 yard buffer. Um, I think that's what the, the ground I was at. I think that would move a, a I, I don't think I got to get under a hundred. I don't, I, I think I can get away more than that 150, 200 yard range, but um, that's the hole I'm addressing right now. My off season scouting is a little bit of, uh, assessing what's going on for that mid, mid to early October time. Yeah. And, and what you just talked about too, like another thing as well, you know, you're down in the bed, you're looking at how far he can see, uh, you know, you're trying to figure out his travel routes out of the bed. There's so many little things that you can take away from that. You know, if you get down in the right bed and you start really paying attention, you'll, you might find some tracks that are pointed a certain direction out of that bed. Mm-hmm. or that come in a certain way to that bed. You can also look for things like tie marks on trees. You know, it's not going to be a rub, but you might find some tie marks mm-hmm. where you can see that, hey, he's leaving this bed through this thick brush and he's hitting these little saplings on the way out and there's his direction of travel. Follow that, bam, oak tree. You know what I mean? So you can really start piecing a lot of things like that together and try to get real close to that spot that you want to be. Because a lot of times, you know, we've talked before, about it a lot of times there might only be four or five good trees that he walks by in daylight and you have to be in one of those four or five trees based on wind sure sure yeah the the um now let me ask this i found a, a particular bed do you feel the beat down trail coming out of that is an exit trail versus an entry trail um, i think it's an i think it's an entry trail so you i think, think it's entry okay yeah i think that he's it's a wind-based bed right Mm-hmm. So he's, he's only going to bed there with that specific wind and he's probably going to approach it with that wind the exact same time, which is why you'll have that really beat down entry trail mm-hmm. and then exit, he gets up and he might want, you know, oaks or he might want to go to that cornfield over there. He might have a briar patch that he wants to go to. I think that, that that's the way that I see it anyways. I've noticed it where I really caught onto that was in like uh, cattail marshes. You'll mm-hmm. see it a lot. You'll actually if you pull up an aerial map of the right cattail marsh, you'll find like a bedding tree out in the middle of the cattails and you'll see a J hook trail into that bed. And then you'll see a bunch of little trails leaving that bed where, you know, the wind is the same every time he lays in that spot. So he's really using that J hook trail. Okay. Okay, man, that's a, that's glad I could ask the selfish question there. I, uh, I, I haven't finished the latest wired to hunt. I'm probably half to three quarters the way through it. And, you know, 
Andy May and, and Joe, and I can't remember the, the third gentleman's name, but it's all, it's all hill country. It, it's something I'm probably going to listen to three or four times before next fall. Um, that, that's a pretty good podcast. Have you touched that one yet? Yeah, I started diving into it. I haven't finished it either, but it's, it's real good. Basically, anything with Andy, yeah. I make sure that I listen to two or three times because that guy's a killer. Yeah, and I like Joe because uh, you know Joe lives in Iowa and he talks about that, um, but he's been going to Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah. Northwoods where, where they've got more predators and there's, there's less big bucks and he's got to be on his a game. I've, I've enjoyed Joe speaking about a lot of that um, in recent years, but um, back, back to the, uh, the podcast, you had mentioned right now, you're scouting a, a lot more versus shed hunting. Um, when you're scouting, uh, do the, eye like, I guess, what is your different thought process from scouting to sheds as far as, the, the, the gear switch, do you, do you slow down? Are you strictly looking at Southern and Eastern, Eastern facing slopes for sheds in, in March? Talk to me a little bit, maybe uh, about the differences there. So the biggest difference for me is when I'm scouting, I'm correlating everything back to bedding where when I'm really shed hunting, I'm correlating everything to some sort of food <laughs> or thermal oh. cover. So okay. I'm, I'm splitting and I'm, I'm still coming like, you know, if I'm shed hunting, I start working back towards the beds, but if I'm scouting, I'm start at the beds and I start working towards the food sources to try to find things like that first community scrape. Um, so, so how I found the shed so far, you know, I'm in bedding areas and I've noticed this year that I'm finding a lot of basically, so all three of them have been on like a North bedding situation. So with a North wind and which makes sense for winter time, but I'm trying to track that back. So I'll find a bed, the one I, well, two of them I found right in a bed, but the third one, I found the bedding area and then I started following the main trail out of the bedding area, just trying to find some sort of food source. And it only, it only took like 10 feet. So I'm assuming that he was headed that direction. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that would be the biggest difference I think that I can think of. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I do a little bit of both. I find myself when, 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 Oh, there's a higher percentage of sheds on the ground. I may do a little more uh, zigzagging smaller areas, or if I come over a knoll that that maybe I'll look over this area, or like over this point, say seven, ten, fifteen yards, and then I'll come back and, and look over another way, or maybe I take my time a little bit more around down logs. I think scouting, I'm I'm I walk faster. I'm more on a mission until I find something that that sparks my interest, and I want to drop some notes and pins on on X. Um, I think that's a, that's something I, I noticed, uh, as far as for myself, cause, cause, and then I, I hate to say this, sometimes I rely on the dogs for the sheds, <laughs> um, where, where I kind of let them take, you know, the, the, the trail that's further down and over a log. And I just say, well, you know, if there's one in there, she, she'll probably come back with it if there is. Um, so, but, but that, that, that's something I do. That's a little different. Um, what about as far as gear or anything? Are you, you, you doing anything special this time of year? Are you changing boots? Um, anything related to sheds and scouting season, I think, that we should mention? Not really. So I, my biggest thing as far as gear-wise, you know, I have a Bino Vivian with my 10 by 42 binoculars, which I use all season. Mm -hmm. I've got my pack on with my water bottle, uh, camera, tripod for, like, my little shed hunting film I do every year. It's basically the same gear. The biggest difference for me is I'm really focused on, it's kind of off topic, but on tick prevention. And that's something that needs to be talked about. You know, we're promoting guys getting out there and girls as well. And 
shed hunting and spending a lot of time in the woods, the ticks are really bad. No, I know at least Ohio now. I mean, even today, this morning I was out for four hours and I did 5.7 miles and I picked off at least 30 ticks for my pants. So I wear, yeah, I wear light colored uh, pants. So I'll wear like a pair of insulated pants that are tan so I can see the black and red ticks on them. I'll treat my clothes in permethrin. I use Sawyer's. It's a big yellow can you can get at Walmart. Make sure I always have my shirt tucked in with a belt to keep that shirt tucked in so they don't, because normally they'll attach to like your waistline. Uh, As soon as I get home, I shower. Um, I have my pants tucked into my boots and I wear a hat. I'm basically, you know, I'm probably every like 10 minutes, I'll look down, I'll find a couple and I'll pick them off. And that's just something to mention because if you're not paying attention, you would probably end up getting a couple on you. Yeah, I've noticed uh, in the last couple of years, they've gotten worse as far as you pick more off in the winter. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it, they don't seem to freeze and die like, like I can remember, or maybe I'm spending more time. So, so there's a little bit of both of that, but you know, even guys like um, Zach Farrenball got, got a Lyme disease, I believe um, this year where he got bit and was kind of in a funk. I, I can remember tuning into a podcast and he just didn't have the spring in his step. And he talked about, yeah, he, he got Lyme disease. I believe it was. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a good point there. You know, I, um, sometimes if I'm going to pound miles, I do two things. One, I have a, um, like obviously a good wool sock, but, but I also do, uh, I learned this from a guy that does endurance running. There's a, there's a product called an Injinji like sock liner. And basically it is a uh, very thin uh, sock liner. And, and I put that on and then I put my wool sock over it or whatever. And, and that just prevents, sometimes I get a hot spot between two of my feet. And if I wear those, you know, sock liners, I don't get that. It literally goes between your toes. Um, it's a very form fitting low profile sock. And and so that's something I do. And then I will wear my Solomon boots a little more shed hunting because they're stiffer. So, so like they, my feet don't get beat up as much doing all the side hilling and stuff. Uh, those are two gear item changes I kind of do compared to hunting. I I tend to like my keen boots a little more. Um, and I don't do this, the, the sock liners during that. Um, what if we, uh, dive into some of those Q and a you got? Yeah, I got a couple of them. So a lot of them are, are the basic questions that we get all the time, you know, like what time of year and everything. But uh, you want me to mention names as well? or? Oh, sure. At least a first name that's easy to pronounce. Okay. So this one, it's just, it's Instagram name, TKO Hunts, Central New York. He said, I've heard different ideas about weather conditions or wearing sunglasses to see them better. And I feel I've had better success on overcast days with less glare. Do you have a preference? I'll let you go first on that one if you want. Well, I, I will give the Byron Horton answer, and that is if you're free Sunday morning for two or three hours, I don't care if it's sunny or cloudy, you got to go. And then um, if you keep penciling it off, like, oh, I'm going to wait for a, uh, a cloudy day Sunday afternoon, but you've got free time Saturday morning, I think you got to just go Saturday because let's say something happens and you got to go to your wife's relatives house Sunday afternoon you don't even get to go shed hunting the whole weekend so I'm always in favor of just get it done when you can as soon as you can cumulative effort over time uh but I have heard that uh, as far as cloudy days they tend to pop more but so success wise on cloudy days versus sunny days have you had have you seen any correlation there to your own success or no uh my best shed day was right before a rainstorm and it was cloudy yeah 
Yeah. So I, I would have to say the same thing. I would, you know, my brother and I, we used to, we used to race to 50 sheds a year in New York. We had a big deer population and everything, and we'd find a lot of them. I would say 95% of the antlers I actually find come on cloudy overcast or rainy days, but I go every day I can, you know, I'm always out there and putting in the miles definitely notice a big difference uh especially if you're out there for like four five six hours and i'll also prioritize where i'm shed hunting based on if it's sunny or overcast so if it's a really sunny day i'm gonna try to stay out of like the open hardwoods and i'm gonna try to stay out of like uh cornfields okay. if possible I'll, I'll try to be in like pines or on you know different slopes that have shadows and things like that which in hill country you can get away with a lot more with just shadows sure now if it's a overcast day i really like to be out in like the cornfields or if it just rained and i have a cornfield i want to check i'll go because all the stalks turn like a grayish brown color and the mm -hmm. antlers just glow yeah. um but yeah I, I, that would i would definitely have to have to say that overcast days preferably but you can't skip up a day to go now i have noticed this too because i am a contact and glasses wearer that I prefer no glasses because my, like when I'm out shed hunting and scouting and if there is some sort of sun, I get a lot of like little glares and stuff that, that are not favorable. So, so I generally will always wear contacts in the woods. I have thought about, cause I, I saw Zach Ferenball get a stick in the eye two years ago. And I, I wondered the, that maybe a decent pair of safety glasses that, that if that's not a terrible investment, considering your eyes are everything. Um, yeah, I've seen, but, I've seen guys do the safety glasses thing. I never have, honestly, I should, I get poked in the face all the time. Yeah. I just, something I haven't done. All right. Question two, are you ready? Yep. Okay. So we have, what's the earliest you had out shed hunting? And also, do you think pressuring the deer during the winter months is hard on the herd? You can take the, the lead on that one again. The earliest I have went out shed hunting I found a match set when I was scouting like latest December, kind of on accident. Like I, I was just, you know, I was learning a new piece. This has been four or five years ago and I came around the bend and here was a, a match set and, and, you know, it still had the waxy stuff on it. It was pretty sweet. That was late December. Um, and that buck lived, he was in there the, the following year. I, how do I feel about pressuring the deer? You know, I, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I don't get me wrong. I don't go out and shed hunt my private piece right now. Um, I, I'll wait until I think a lot of antlers are on the ground to do that. It definitely does. I mean, I'm sure it does put a little pressure on it. Um, but that's also really good to know where the deer are if you ever have a late season tag. Um, so, so I'm right on the fence. Don't get me wrong. I hear what that guy's saying, but um, I and you know what with the antler craze and some of the out west stuff that you kind of see as far as like shed season dates I think that's a great I think that's a great idea it is I think yeah especially for picking them up you know and it has a little bit it's different out west too because you know like in Ohio there's food everywhere so we still have some standing bean fields standing corn fields and a ton of acorns I mean you walk out on public land right now on basically anywhere. And it's like marbles with acorns everywhere you go. So I don't think that we can really pressure our deer herd to the point where you're actually hurting them here. You know, you're going to bump them a ridge over if you do happen to bump them. Now out West, it's a little bit different where they have, you know, three, four feet of snow on the entire elk herd 
is down in the prairie eating on sagebrush. Sure. You know, if you start bumping them around, I think that's going to be a lot more, di- a lot different than it is here as far as whitetail goes. Sure. Sure. And then just raw calories to, to move a ridge over versus a, a valley over, you know, out West, that's a lot more miles to cover. That's a lot more calories for an animal to burn. So yeah, I, I, I see what that guy's saying. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the next one. Okay. So that's actually all that I pulled for questions right here that I have names on, but there was a lot of other ones like what food sources do you prefer? And, uh, we can, we can start with that one for me. It's going to be standing corn. You know, if I can, if I'm not shed hunting public, if I'm shed hunting private, I'll actually drive around in the wintertime and mark every standing cornfield on Onyx. Here's like one of my big secrets I'm giving away. And I'll go and try to get permission on those generally just to shed hunt. Like I have, I love public land hunting right now. So shed hunting is a little bit different. I just want to find them. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll, uh, I'll try to get permission on a bunch of properties that have standing cornfields. And I mean, I found 15 antlers in one cornfield one time. Whoa. It was, it was crazy. So I've had some big days in cornfields. Don't get me wrong. It's a little crazy out there. You know, you have, every corn stalk looks like an antler. So your eyes go crazy all day, but yeah. it's grid searching them is the best way to do it. And then the fringes. So if you have like a little bit like a CRP buffer right on the edge of it, they'll lay there and chew their cud at night. Mm. And it's just, it's, I found so many of them like that. That is hands down my number one spot. It's like, the, uh, the, so the nighttime bed, huh? Yeah. Yeah. The nighttime bed. And then for me back home was alfalfa fields. That was a big thing. We didn't have soybeans back in New York really. So alfalfa fields or really any green field in the wintertime would do pretty good. Down here, you guys have like soybeans and you've probably targeted personally like oak flats a little bit more, I'm assuming. Yeah. And, and I'm a big browse and briar guy. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that's a little bit of just cover habitat. You know, like I'm walking along, oh wait, there's tends to be a little more green briar. And then I'm, I'm always looking to see if it's freshly nibbled off or not. Um, if they're currently in there, if I'm finding deer poop and stuff like that, um, I would also like in a little bit different habitat, clear cut it, you know, I'm always looking in and around clear cuts. Sometimes I'll jump in them. Uh, I, you know what? I'm trying to think if I've ever, I found one and a couple on like surrounding clear cuts, not necessarily like in the thick stuff, hands and knees, but I do get in there and crawl hands and knees sometimes in, in cuts looking for them. Um, but, but honestly too, a lot of my better shed success is just, you know, Easternish to Southern facing slopes. And, and there's always external factors. I feel like they're, they're, they're never like the, the woods I'm finding them in have two or three other things within maybe 200 yards that, that deer are there for a reason. Exactly. Um, like you t- talked about the food sources. Um, definitely. Yeah. So selfish question. So on the slopes, are you finding them more on like the trails on the slope? Say that part again. You broke up just a touch. So I got you. You, you got me now. Yep. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, on like you said, Eastern facing slopes, right? Mm-hmm. Are you finding a lot of your antlers on the actual trails or are you finding them on like just distributed throughout like an oak flat on the side of it? No, more of like they, they must've laid there for that first hour or two of daylight. And, and if I would even boil it down to almost the military crest on an Eastern facing slope, 
I got uh, you. Perfect. Where where they bedded there for maybe the first hour or two, catching that 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 light, and then maybe he he moved to a point or or a true favorable position, or maybe he lay there all day. Um, you know, I would I would say. Yeah, they're all in beds ish, but not hammered beds like you would on a point. But they're there's some sort of they're they yeah, not like a traditional buck bed from the times that we have spent out. Like, oh, look at this point, look at this beat down bed. It's more like, oh, wait, I found this antler. Let me look at what's going on here. Okay, you know, it faces east or south for the most part. Oh, wait, there's a clear cut with 200 yards over there. Oh, wait, there's a private bean field that he could probably still get to over there. There's some briars in here, like okay, there's a couple things that have gone on here. And, and, and not to say they're rogue, but they're definitely they're, – they're, they're, they're not the A-plus beds that I mark necessarily on Onyx. Yeah, and that's kind of the same for me. I, you know, every once in a while I do find some really good north wind beds, but I think there's more to that. It's, it'll be on, like, the edge of a cliff and a mm-hmm. thicket when the entire section of woods is wide open. So I think they're bedding there regardless. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm finding them in those specific spots. But yeah, for the most part, it's kind of rogue. It's they're, they're all over the place. You just got to put the miles in. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I, I tend to move pretty fast and I got to the point where I'm only looking for, for two and a half year old sheds or bigger. I don't care if I miss a four point or something like that, but I will say occasionally if I find one antler, I come to that area year after year and I tend to find another one. I don't know why, as for well obviously there's stuff going on there but like that match set that i described earlier in the episode the very next year i was in there i don't have the shed with me but i you know a matching four point saw or a four pointer dropped his his antler there and was within 100 yards of where i found that match set you know a year later so so i think that's something to kind of key in on that that clearly something went right there for late season and and i think sometimes those deer your bucks in the area will will revisit if you will have you ever found that where hey this hillside year after year tends to be hot or that little x y and z area tends to be really good oh yeah i've got probably 20 spots that are i found antlers here and i go back and i find them again and i just i keep tabs on it so that's like more important than a morel mushroom spot exactly yeah shed spots are a big deal so i mark them on onyx like even today I marked the two I found today on Onyx. I mark it with like a yellow pen. So it's different than everything else. Okay. And I can always come back to them. And it actually shows you quite a bit. If you mark all your sheds on a map and you you like blow that map up, you can see a lot of different factors in there. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big fan of, of marking pins as you're walking, you get home and you, you can put a puzzle piece together, whether it be an elevation or uh, some sort of terrain feature that maybe you know, keys in a lot of deer or whatever. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, of being able to step back once you get home and see everything. Yep. Yeah. Me too. So you find an antler. What's your next step? You know, you just picked up an antler. What are you doing? Uh, well, I freak out first. Um, I'm normally pretty pumped. (laughs) Um, if I have the camera, I will take some, some photos because you know, like I don't want to like re like you know i don't want to like duplicate or i'm in the moment i'm there this is the environment it was in those those are always kind of cool um i then mark it and i definitely like look at why it was there um whether that be visually whether i'm looking at a map you definitely i think gotta like try and piece something together of not just this rogue shed um 
unless you, you know, I, I have found one that I thought a coyote drug into the bottom. Actually the craziest shit I found was crossing a Creek ditch and I found it in November while I was bow hunting. And it was like a solid, like it was a solid 10 pointer. And I was bow hunting actually. And I had two guys that were grid searching for a buck. They shot one guy got like next to the shed. Cause I kind of left it about 10, eh, 20 yards from where I'd set up in my stand. And I kind of, I, I kind of waved to him and, and wanted him to turn around. I didn't want him to grab my shed and leave. But, but yeah, I always mark my sheds. What about you? What, what's, what's going through your head as you're either walking up to it or you've spotted it? So the, the filming thing, you know, I, I try to put together like that little shed hunting film on YouTube and the, the bigger thing is, you know, I'll pick it up. I'll take my pictures. I'll do all of that. I do like a little circle. Basically I'll start like grid circling, mm. if you will, trying to locate the other one, which is like a 95% chance it doesn't happen. But every once in a while, you do find the other one. Um, I actually found a really nice, the biggest one I had in New York at the time, found in a CRP field. And we went back to that exact same spot and grid searched it a second time. And my brother found the brow tine sticking up out of the CRP and the entire antler was laying underneath there. Jeez. So just sometimes coming back to that area, you know, <laughs> and it could even be coming in from a different angle. Like, I don't know how many times I've picked one up and I've walked away and I came back at a different angle. And the other one's laying like pretty close to that one. Dude. It was just like the glare on the leaves or the sun in your eyes or. Yeah. Yeah. The, the angle thing, well, even like when you walk through the woods sometimes and you turn around, you walk a different way, you see rubs because it was on the other side of the tree. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, same so, thing. Yeah. That's big. It's funny you say that. So I found a chewed side and this buck could have been in the fifties. The he had five inch bases. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was solid deer. And, um, he was shredded. It was a year old, you know, and, and you could tell this solid deer. Well, I went back in there to, let's see here, the gun drive probably would have been December. Dave and I went back in there late February. Dave picked up a freshie. We took the little dog back over to the same hillside where I found that other one. And we're sitting there and I'm looking at Onyx. I'm like, yeah, I picked it up right about here. And I look over and her nose is under the, the leaf matter. And she pulls out the other main beam. It had obviously no tines, no breath, just main beam. And sure enough, like it's a chewed set to a 150-ish level buck. Um, but, you know, just chewed all to hell. But yeah, literally within 10 yards and, and I, I cheated. I, I went back with the dog. <laughs> now, have you, have you trained her at all or she just... No, not that dog. Uh, uh, the old one who, who doesn't really go anymore. He, I used to like... Uh, Oh, like play hide and go seek with him where I'd walk behind four trees and I'd drop an antler behind him. And then we'd work, you know, like little buffer strips. So it was limited cover. And then we got to the point we'd go to the park and there's a 10 acre wood patch with a, a hiker trail. And I'd just hide it wherever and put him within 200 yards and say, go. Um, and he was trained ish. Like I actually worked with him, her, she just, she's very into chewing bones and that deer has, or that deer, that dog has found a 12 inch G2 shed that 150 inch, side and she found something last year but she seems to only find big sheds hey there's something to that that's, dude i'm telling you like, like my wife and i talk about getting rid of her because she is a shit for a dog but i was like man she finds some sheds that's crazy man <laughs> yeah. Awesome. but yeah man so so i guess wrapping this thing up um any other shed tips what's the craziest thing you've ever found shed hunting Ooh. and then what's mm. your favorite shed uh oh those are both good questions so the craziest thing i've found shed hunting has got to be 
I found a lot of weird stuff, man, all the time. But uh, I don't know, honestly. I really don't know what the craziest thing would be. I'm drawing a blank. What was the other question? What else did you have? Oh, favorite shed. Favorite shed. So my favorite shed. Or favorite shed story. My favorite shed story is probably the the one that my brother went back and found the brow tine sticking out because we matched up at the time. It was like 135 inch deer in Southern New York, which is a giant buck up there. So we were, we were fired up. Uh, you know, most of my best stories shed hunting are honestly being out there with somebody else, finding on hooting and hollering and fist bumping and everything like that. You know, I, my brother comes down every year for a week and then I'll go up there for a week to shed hunt. It's like our, our time together. Um, yeah kind of cool but yeah i don't i don't necessarily have hmm, drawn a blank craziest thing i found i don't yeah, know what like about I, you what you, I, you find a lot of junk and stuff uh, while shed hunting um oh one time we lost a cell phone on a, a leaf covered hillside and we spent an hour trying to find it and we ended up, that that was kind of a crazy story um but yeah i can't think of like anything super bizarre or wild uh that i found while shed hunting as far as my favorite shed, um, there was one, yeah, yeah, I, I think my favorite shed memory was t- two years ago, maybe three, I think, I don't know, three, three-ish years ago, I decided to go for one last walk, it was late March, and I felt like I was on TV that day, because I found like a, oh, 118-inch side of a buck, or whatever, he, you know, he would have been like 118, eight point, like solid G2, like, I was jacked. And then I walk another couple hundred yards and I find a match set to like a 138 and five yards from that match set of the 138 was, was probably one of the coolest sheds I've ever found. This guy right here, which is like the tiniest little, but it's like a solid frame deer. <laughs> that is tiny. What's you know, it's act? tiny, but it's got a brow. It's got twos, threes, like that deer would be a future booner. Um, and then I found one more chewed shed between me and the truck. So it was like five sheds and like four 500 yards. And like, I had never found more than one shed in a shed, you know, on a, on a mission trip. I just, you know, you don't find a lot. You and I joked last year, you and I both averaged 30 ish miles a shed walking. Oh yeah. At least. I mean, this year I'm at today marks 40, just over 45 miles in the year. And I've got three. Yeah. So it's, it's not easy at all. I mean, we put on a lot of miles to find them for sure. Yeah. The year before, like I said, without that day, I was more around 15 ish miles a shed. Um, but last year, like literally 32 point something miles a shed. I, I did not find a lot of them. Um, I did a lot of walking though in January. Um, so that, that may be also reason why, but I just logged all my miles and I was like, wow, that's not a lot. Yeah. 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 Same here. And, uh, I actually found the majority of my antlers on public last year during Turkey season not even looking for them. I would just stumble on them. It was unbelievable. When I went out and looked for them, I was like, I don't know, 20 miles in antler, probably 25, something like that. And then I found four or five of them during turkey season. It was crazy. Yeah. Dave and I, yeah, talked the other day, like our, our passion for turkey hunting is not there. It's fun, but it's like, you know, after the first hour or two and the birds don't cooperate, what do you do? I was like, well, you scout a little bit and then you go home. Like, you know, I'm not sticking it out until noon. Um, but yeah, the, the whole scouting might as well double dip uh, if you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really a big turkey guy either. I mean, it's, it's fun every once in a while. I, I have more fun taking like kids out. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's fun to me. Taking somebody that hasn't been turkey hunting out, getting them a bird's fun. But 
it just doesn't, it doesn't fire me up. I'm always whitetail, you know, yeah. 365 days a year. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. What, uh, do you have any big unique sheds? I know you posted that one photo, um, I think last year or two years ago, of just a giant cage. So yeah, yeah, that's actually, you know what, that might be my favorite shed of all time right there. That's my brother actually found that. So we were on public Southern Ohio. We had actually drove around. He came down for a shed hunting mission last year. I believe it was four days and it was day three. We'd been struggling up to that point. We'd already found, we'd only found like two and then a broke. Five hundred yards and uh, immediately antler on the ground. I picked it up. We walked another quarter mile antler on the ground. He picked one up. We got in the truck, drove to the next spot, got out of the truck and walked like, I don't know, 50 feet off the road. And he finds a half side of 170 inch 10 point, just Jeez. an absolute giant. I mean, this thing has like 12 inch G2s, 12 inch G3s, like an eight inch G4, just a giant antler. It was crazy. Yeah. Let me ask this before we log off here. How much stock do you put in sheds? Because personally, I just kind of look at it as, as caliber of a general area. Um, I have noticed a few of my areas, if I do find sheds, there's a decent chance he'll stay and other areas, dude, forget it. Like he could be anywhere. To, to me, it really depends on food sources. So if it's a natural food source in the area, like oaks or like you said, browse, and I find antlers there, you know, that's probably a spot I'm going to be hunting because a, he's, you know, that's like his most secure area. It's late season in Ohio. He's been, you know, chased around by people with guns for the last month and guys mm -hmm. and bows for four months. And he's probably in the most secure area. It also lets you know what caliber of buck you're going to be chasing next year. You know, I found a couple nice ones that would have been real good bucks this year would have been like 150 plus ish bucks. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of stock in that. Now on the cornfield thing, it's totally different. If I'm on like a cornfield or a bean field, Sure. I don't put a whole lot of stock in it because those deer for a standing cornfield, I've seen deer travel in winter three to four miles away from where they summer. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would kind of mirror, mirror what you just said there. Um, and maybe even lean towards farm country. I think those deer can just shift so much, um, based on pressure, based on where the beans are, early season, late season, kind of a different game there. I actually have found some of my big wood stuff to be a little more likely to be in the same area or the same loopish um, yeah, where, so, where I could find them. Yeah. So big woods this year, one of the bucks I was, I passed a buck up uh, fourth day of season. That was like 145 inch 10 point. You know, you saw mm -hmm. pictures of him. I have three of his antlers from the bed that he came off when I saw him. I picked three antlers up within 50 yards of that bed and I watched him come off that bed fourth day of season. And you found that bed in the winter, which, you know, not a lot of people would go, I'm going to hunt that thing first of October. Yeah. A lot of these, a lot of these wintering beds, if it's in the right area, they bed there just like they do in the summertime and through hunting season. I mean, if you find, you know, wintering beds are supposed to be like for a North wind when we get a North wind, but if we're getting like a consistent Southeast wind all winter, Mm -hmm. A lot of those bucks will bed in the same locations in hill country because mm -hmm. there's a reason they're there to begin with. Sure. So at least that's what I've seen. I, t I do target a lot of the beds where I find antlers in hill country. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think you, I mean, yeah, that's something I, I may need to look at a little more heavily. Hopefully I can find some sheds this year more than last year, but um, 
Jake, I think, I think we're going to put a, a bow tie on this guy. It is Friday. Uh, any major plans for the weekend or are you working Scout, this man. week? Nope. Scouting's full bore right now. I, uh, my, my game plan is to get out first light and then stay out until 12 or one and be back to have lunch with a girlfriend and make sure that she's <laughs> happy and everything and just keep doing that while I can. Nice. Yeah. 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 And then Sunday's like, uh, the, the, uh, AFC NFC championship game. So I think I'm going to head out early Sunday. That's, that's going to be my game plan. Get a couple hours in and then come back. Awesome. Um, Heck yeah, man. Well, right. we'll get them. All right, Jake. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon, man. Guys, yeah, thanks sure. for listening. We're out.